Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 598. Going to recap the week 16 fab and then go over a, a slew of injured players that may be coming back soon, maybe not. We don't even know. It's it's a wild card in this whole scenario, but with a little over two months of the season left. It's kind of like you need to add or you need to drop these guys, or what are we doing? Like, it's serious decisions need to be made on some of these players coming up here. Obviously, we have ILs. We'll bring that into play uh, as well, but for the most part, you get the drift of the show. You can find me on Twitter at BDentric and my guest again, which I love having on the show. You can find him on Twitter at BreakingBen underscore T. Ben Ted, how we doing, my friend? Hey, Bo, I'm doing great. Glad to be on again. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, it's not going to be the most optimistic episode today, but uh, we got to deal with it. Yeah, it's not going to be, but it's one of those like, you know, I had Curlin yesterday, last week, rooting for injuries. So we're going to take the other approach here. And for us that have to battle said injuries, how do we approach the situation? And uh, and we'll go from there. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, we're out of the All-Star break in our first full week of the season. We're getting some guys back, some guys not so much. Good news, like literally right before the show, I saw Brandon Woodruff is set to make his first rehab assignment start in single A. Uh, I believe this weekend. So that's at least some positive because we're going to have a lot of negative, like you said. So we got a little bit of positive coming our way for those that kept Brandon Woodruff. I almost put him on the outline, but I'm like, no, if you kept him this long, you're not dropping him now. Um, just so people know, I basically went down NFBC and looked at all the IL guys. If they were heavily, heavily rostered, like 100%, I didn't even put them on the list. Some of them I did because some of them were longer injuries. And we'll start with one, Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber, it was kind of a – a developing injury because it was like, oh, he's kind of got this like arm issue, but it's not too crazy. Now he's going on the IL, but good news, he's going to avoid surgery, which the fact that his right elbow inflammation needed a potential surgery is not the most ideal thing. He's not striking guys out this year, which is always a thing, but he was starting to a little bit towards like before he got hurt. So I wonder if there's something correlating with that. I don't know. But let's just say, let's just speak out loud here because this is what we're going to do today, Ben. When we talk about Shane Bieber, and as usual, I use NFBC OC because they're 12 teams. Rates will vary. Bieber is still rostered in 94% of OCs. And thank you to the 21% that started him this week. I appreciate you. But um, the 94% that have him rostered, okay, that's a fair conversation. And that's what we're going to have here. If you are a Shane Bieber manager, Ben, how are you approaching him? 
I think it comes down to how many injured guys I already have. If he's my only one, which I feel like is highly unlikely at this point of the season, um, then I, I would I'd hold on to him definitely. But if he's like your third or fourth, um, it really comes down to who else you have. But yeah, to your point, um, the strikeouts, yeah, they were picking up at the end um, and, uh, and before this injury. And uh, yeah, like he's, he's just not pitching like Shane Bieber this year. It's a, it's a tough one. Um, the shutdown for two weeks is not does not sound very good, so I would lean towards dropping him. I think um, I only have him on a draft and hold, so I don't have to make that decision. Luckily, but uh, yeah, that, that that shutdown doesn't sound too good, and um, I wouldn't be too optimistic about a quick uh, turnaround. Yeah, and that's that's one of the key words that you mentioned there. And obviously, neither of us are doctors. We are just literally playing the fantasy guessing game like the best of us do. Um, when it comes down to when you hear the words shut down. That essentially means he's not throwing for two weeks. So then, you know, it, if it's a short shutdown, then the ramp up obviously isn't as long. But he still has to ramp back up, get into pitching form. What are we thinking? Maybe a month at best is what we're thinking here. So now we're almost into the end of August, early September, and you got to kind of see if the Guardians are out of it. Do they really push this envelope, so on and so forth? So I'm kind of leaning with you on this one. And I know people probably want straighter answers in this scenario, but – Everything that we do today is team dependent. If you have IL spots, you IL guys, very simple stuff. Like Ben plays a lot of Yahoo also, so he can give his insights there in scenarios that that, that they see there. But I'm with Ben. Um, in 12s, I think he's an easier drop for me. It's just one of those, at this point, if somehow he comes back out of miraculously in, in three weeks, well, you either get him back or you don't. Tough, tough bananas. In 15s, it's a tougher question, but you play mainly 15, so you're willing to drop him there. So I'm with you. I think Beebs gets the drop. We'll see how Logan Allen, he comes back on Tuesday as we record on Tuesday to make his return, and his minor league stint was not great either. So we'll see how that pans out. But I'm, I'm with you on Bieber for now. I think if he comes back, it's it's a tough win he comes back and how effective he'll be. Liam Hendricks, this is a, an, another one that is kind of uh, tough because he came – well, A, if you saw his speech at the, uh, the SBs, that was absolutely an amazing thing that he did there. But uh, the fact he pitched all of last season – with his cancer that was nuts to be that good he was cleared and began throwing on june 27th so that was a ways away uh he's throwing in a simulated game tomorrow on wednesday the 19th a simulated game so it's like one of those if all goes well maybe rehab assignments start next week you get him back in say 10 to 14 days give or take so with liam hendricks are you i don't think you're dropping him now but how aggressive are you to stash him? That's kind of the point of this. Are we dropping, stashing? What are we doing? What are your thoughts on Liam Hendricks? Yeah, I've heard people debate on other podcasts about whether they would trade him. But I think considering the injury and then also I think someone may have mentioned like, is it like the familiar, familiarity with his doctors for, for his treatment, probably in Chicago, that it would make sense not to trade him. So I think he'll probably stick with the White Sox for the rest of the year. And if he's already on his rehab assignment, um, he should be back relatively soon, unless he has a setback. So, like, I just lost Hunter Harvey, or if you have, you're a Will Smith manager or something like that, where you're kind of you lost your RP two. I think stashing him makes sense if he's available. I I am looking at the NF or the main event and on the NFBC roster ship percentage, and he's 98. percent So he's he's pretty much taken there. Um, but like in a like you mentioned Yahoo, if he's on the if he's on the waiver wire, I definitely consider adding him if he needs saves. Um, hopefully, yeah, like, well, I think he had an elbow issue, which is never good either. But, um, yeah. I mean, Graveman has been struggling lately, and I know Santos is a, is a big fab darling right now, um, at least in deeper leagues. And uh, 
Middleton kind of fizzled out too, but I mean, there's definitely options that they're going to sell pieces away. So I'm sure Graveman will be gone. Um, so I don't see why Hendricks couldn't be going to be the closer when he comes back again. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, opposite of Bieber, Hendricks is close. We saw signs of good. Some of the bad, I kind of just notch it to fatigue and not being fully back in game mode yet. And that might be the same problem we deal with when he returns. But the other part you mentioned, uh, the White Sox haven't really impressed anybody with the other options that have been back there. Plus, they might trade quite a few of these options coming up here. Uh, so I, I'm with you on the Liam Hendricks thing for many reasons. Like you said, his doctor's there, so they're probably not going to trade him. It would be like team suicide to trade the story just in general of Liam Hendricks. Like it, when your team's not winning games, you need stuff like Liam Hendricks around as bad as that may sound if you took it the wrong way. But like he is good for the team to be there for many reasons. So I'm with you. I, I'd like to pick him up if you need saves. It's a, it's a season where saves haven't been as prevalent on the waiver wire. So this could be a guy to start stashing here as he might be back here sooner than later. O'Neill Cruz, popular name on many shows. Like I know I started stashing him a couple of weeks ago. Like we even talked about him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, other shows have been starting to talk about stashing him. If you follow many of the different great, like Zach Waxman and, and McCabe reports, that O'Neill Cruz has been getting stashed. Uh, the latest report, though, I, don't, I have it from like June 30th that he started playing catch. They're still expecting him back um, sometime in August, they're saying hopefully earlier than later. What are your thoughts on Neil Cruz? Because I already basically showed my hand. I'm stashing wherever I can. I agree with that. As long as you're, you're able to, like if you just had, if you have Shane Bieber and now you have to make a decision, probably. Um, I think, uh, did you mention that his estimated return date was like August 10th, I think. So that's, it's a little less than a month out, but I mean, that's best case scenario probably. So, I mean, there's also, also a chance that it could get pushed back a week or something. So if it, if you if you're short of middle middle infield right now, I think he's worth stashing. Um, but I mean, the Pirates aren't going anywhere either. So if he has a setback, they could probably just shut him down. Also, if it's going to be that late in the season. Um, but I mean, he is the most upside probably of anyone anyone available in free agency right now. So I could see why you'd want to stash him. I don't have him anywhere. Um, I could have added him a couple of weeks ago, but I had other stashes at the time. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. Like, and it's one of those that really, I was really pumped with my stash. Obviously, you want to be excited about your stashes, and then I'm sitting there going, the Pirates are actually calling up a bunch of young players. Like they called up a shortstop recently in Pagaro. Like they're calling up players to see what they have. I I know if if O'Neill Cruz is back healthy, he's playing shortstop. I'm not oblivious to that. Maybe he goes to DH for a bit. Who knows? But um, like you said, the Pirates have nothing to really play for except see what their young players have. They know what they have in O'Neill Cruz, so they don't have to rush this thing. I would still grab him if, if you can and see where it goes. But that, that window is closing quickly as people are on to that one. Nestor Cortez. This is a fun one. Uh, pitched to more live hitters on Monday. Supposed to start a, re- a rehab assignment later this week or this weekend, uh, potentially. You would know as the uh, the Yankees guy over there. But Nasty Nestor, we know how he got, like, got the nickname for a reason. Like The dude is really good. Still, these like shoulder-type injuries are never going you know, to make you feel warm and fuzzy. But we saw Rodon come back. Nestor supposed supposedly rehabbing very strongly, and they're expecting him back early August if all continues to go right. So what are you doing with Nestor Cortez? Because uh, the, the other reason I want to bring up a lot of these starting pitchers here is everybody loved the prospects in FAB. We're starting to get to the world where shutdowns and limited innings are starting to happen, so you might need new starting pitchers here and there where these stashes might come in handy. So Nestor Cortez, what's your thoughts on him? I have been stashing him all year in one of my main events, (laughs) which I probably shouldn't have considering how pitching is going for that team. Um, But yeah, so 
one thing I'll mention when we're done with this, um, it's a great, it's a greater theme, but it's just like the optimism of coming back on time. I feel like he's someone who's had his date pushed back multiple times. Um, or like there's talk of him getting ready to come back and then he just doesn't go on that um, rehab assignment yet. Um, so he's been a disappointment when he has been playing this year. Cause I think he was around going around pick 100 in drafts and, I wonder how much of that poor performance was the shoulder already. Like if he was already hurt, um, it's hard to say for sure, but he, with him getting close and the way pitching is when you compare it to Bieber, he's on the way, he's on the way up as opposed to Bieber's just like done. So I could see why Nestor's more appealing. So I'm going to hold on to him personally still, but um, that's about two weeks away optimistically. So if you can't afford to keep him any longer, that's, I could see cutting him because he wasn't that good to begin with, but uh, I'm going to hold on to it until he comes back. Unless it gets pushed out again, I'll, I'll just cut him. But And that that's a great point is you need to know, like, okay, we were excited about it. Look, I'll use my Trevor Rogers example. They made it easy just because the injury was so crazy. But it seemed so good, and then all of a sudden pushback, pushback. I was, it was an easy drop. Nestor's better than Trevor Rogers in my mind. I'm not going to deny that. But it's a great point because we are getting to the point of the year now. A two-week setback, now you're, you're pretty much going to be donezo when it's all said and done. Um, I grabbed Nestor Cortez, I think, in one OC uh, during the All-Star break. Just started stashing him there, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, he's he's on my radar for sure. I think he's worth giving a look. Ryan Helsley. Uh, it, it was getting weird there for a while anyways. He was splitting re- closing roles towards the end uh, before he got hurt with the forearm strain. He started throwing on flat ground last week, give or take. Still has a long ways to go, it sounds like. I haven't seen a definite time. Maybe you, you've seen one. But um, – with Jordan Hicks playing so well, given he might get traded, um, the, 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 the Cardinals are on a big flash sale, so it's going to come down here pretty soon. So what's your thoughts on Ryan Helsley, who I still don't know when he's coming back is my problem. His NFBC page has it for this Friday, actually, the 21st. Wow. Um, that's, but his last update was also in June, so who, know, who knows how accurate that is still. Um, yeah, I, I think Hicks could get traded. I mean, if I'm another team, though, I wouldn't trust his walk rate. Um but as a reliever, like we look, we see Chapman overcome the, the walk issues. I, I think Hicks probably has a higher rate though than Chapman. So it's hard to stay out of trouble when you're walking so many guys. Um, yeah. If, if they stay at the bottom though, I could see them holding on to him. I mean, he's not that young. So, I mean, they don't want to rush him back and have him get hurt either way, but um, I don't know. He's one where I, I saw him dropped in one of my main events. I may have brought it up on your show um, last time I was on, but uh yeah, so someone cut him before, like right when he got hurt. So, and that's a deep league too. So, I unless we get more news soon, I wouldn't hold on to him if I needed to make a cut. Yeah, he threw off the mound a few days ago. So yeah, they're hoping for this weekend, if not middle of next week. It looks like from what I just read. So to well, return fully. Soon. Yeah, that's what they're saying. If if there's no more setbacks, so. We'll have to wait and see how that goes, but there's another potential closer because all the reports say he's going to step back in a closer's role. I'll believe that when I see it because he really wasn't full into the closer's role when he had it. I think it's more Hicks gets traded, like we talked about, is the, is the big scenario there. Another popular starting pitcher that has been talked about as a stash option is Chris Sale. Sale threw uh, his first bullpen session this past Tuesday. So that is uh, like our last Tuesday. or No, yeah, Tuesday. Um, his first time off the mound since his injury on June 1st. They're hopeful he's back in early August is the expectation with Sale. And he was throwing very well before he got hurt. So is Chris Sale a potential stash for you? Yeah, I would say he is. It's based on his upside. 
Um, he's one of the guys I identified as one of those injury optimism guys that haven't really panned out. And um, yeah, he's, I was just, I haven't been a fan of his cause he's of how he's been injured so much the last few years. And I know like his underlying metrics have suggested he should be better um, than he has been. I think he's been about a, at least a four ERA the last few years, but um, yeah, I mean, it's like it's like how it goes with all these guys. If if you can afford to stash him, then definitely. I know he was pretty popular a couple of weeks ago. I saw him on Twitter. His name going around as one of those stashes, like with Kyle Wright. But um, I mean, they definitely need him. The Red Sox do their rotations a mess, so he probably has one of the higher upsides on this list. I would say so. I could see why you'd want to stash him. Hundred percent. Now the fun part is where we start doing these. Would you rather stash Nestor Cortez or Chris Sale? Chris Sale. Okay. Bring that Even up. though I'm I'm stashing Nestor, but yeah. Well, <laughs> Sale might Sale might not have been available for you. You never know. Right. Yeah. Um, Jorge Polanco began his rehab assignment this past weekend. Um, this last hamstring injury cuts him out about a month. He's been dealing with these uh, soft tissue injuries a lot this season, so it's been very very frustrating with Jorge Polanco. We know when he's out there, he's pretty productive, but he has not been able to stay healthy this year. And on the flip side, Edward Julian's actually playing very, very well all of a sudden, which doesn't really force the hand. Polanco will start more often than not, of course, but it gives the Twins more options than they had beforehand. So if you're looking at Jorge Polanco, because I remember after his first injury a while back, I was stashing him, enjoyed him for a couple of weeks. Then he had this latest injury. I dropped him right away. I have not went back and added him yet. If you if Hori Polanco was available for you, would you be stashing Hori Polanco? I would. Um, he's he was like a top two hundred player going into the season before he got hurt, um, and I think his NFBC page has him at this Friday for his estimated return date. Yep. So he's about to come back. So if you're in a daily transaction league where you don't have to wait till next Sunday to make a, a move, I would definitely try to add him back if he's available. And when he did come back that first time, like you mentioned, um, he, he started right away. He's one of the guys who they haven't really been messing with his playing time. It's just that he's been hurt so much. That's why he's barely played. But um, I think this time they definitely made sure his hamstring heals. I believe it was the same one that he injured the first time, yep. which isn't good <clears throat> as a Yankee fan. Uh, mm-hmm. Donaldson has hurt his calf again, and that's it's all connected. So I could easily see Polanco hurting his hamstring again. But, yeah, he's def- he's one of – he'd be higher up on the list, I would say, for uh, people I'd want to stash from our list. Yeah, the Polanco thing just reminded me of like Jonathan India last year where they brought India back early, then he re-aggravated it and he was out for a while. I think that's why I dropped him right away because India was out for a long time where Polanco a month wasn't as bad as I expected, I guess. I'm curious to see how his running is with this or are they baby him back in that scenario. But uh, it, it will be interesting to see. If you're in a league where Polanco's available, Edward Julian is still available in some formats. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Zach Geloff was a popular ad this past week. We'll talk about him as well. Let's just say those three second basemen right there. How would you rank those three second basemen? Probably Polanco, definitely if I need power more than speed, then Geloff and then Julian. Because I think Julian will get – he'll get hurt by Polanco coming back. Yeah, that's a good call. Good call indeed. Hunter Harvey, this is a pretty easy one for me. I'm curious to see what you have to say. But everything I've read since the injury happened, like doing the first pitch podcast and everything – it's not very optimistic on like a, a quick return for Hunter Harvey. They're still doing tests and maybe things change, you know, modern medicine and whatnot. But he has like a forearm strain and elbow issue. Combination is just nasty. Um, he's pitching very well as the closer for the Washington Nationals. But he's on the 15-day IL. No timetable to return as of yesterday when I looked. Uh, that could have changed. Like I said, they've been doing a ton of tests on Hunter Harvey. 
Finnegan picked up the save on Monday night, but he might get dealt. So Hunter Harvey, stash or just let go? As I mentioned to you before we started recording, I do have Hunter Harvey in a main event. Um, I also had him on my two Yahoo teams. Um, on the one I cut and the other one, because I already had a full IL, and the other one I am stashing for now. Um, depending on the news we get this week, I'll make the decision on the main event uh, going into this weekend. And we'll cover who I how I replaced him. Um, we'll try to at least at the end. But uh, so it, it says he has a strain, but so far on his note, it says that he only felt the discomfort there and they're waiting the MRI results unless they already came back and they just haven't updated the note. As of last night when I recorded that show, they're still waiting for information. Yeah. So, yeah. Yet. So, I mean, it could just be like inflammation or something, but if it is a strain, then he's probably a drop. Yeah. He's going to be an interesting one because he was pitching very good. And this is a guy that. Like I have a ton of DCs and stuff because I, I, I love the talent as a late round, like potential saves guy, all these things. Probably why you have him in mains and whatnot. Same same idea. And he was finally coming to fruition. It was looking beautiful. And then all good things seemed to come to an end, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I, I root for the guy because he's battled injuries his whole career. He used to be like a stud starting pitching prospect for the Orioles. And it's just he's just been bouncing everywhere. Finally got a, a little run here, and it uh, came to an end. Brian Hayes continues to battle back injuries when back on the IL on July 7th after coming off for like a couple days. Um, they're hoping that it's only like a two-week absence, so he could be back here sometime next week. Back injuries are nasty. Um, what are you doing with Brian Hayes? He's, an also, he's also another player that has a projected return date of today, according to NFBC. So I, that's, I'll have to check let me, the Let me check line. lineups. While you're doing that, I'll check lineups. Yeah. Um, He's someone that's always been a disappointment, except for 2020. And uh, he's young enough where they would want him to get some more playing time, see what they have with him, them being the Pirates. And, I mean, I actually added his replacement in Fab this past weekend. And he uh, – yeah, I mean, if he's back right now, then sure, run him out there because I think they'll play him. They want to see what they have with him, um, especially if you need stolen bases. He, those steals at third is nice, especially if you're lacking, which – if you're lacking this year, you're probably in trouble at this point. But um, yeah, it, well, the back like, don't expect any power with the with the back injury for sure. And I could easily see him reaggravating it again. But uh, if he's coming back today or this week, then yeah, he's not back in today's on Tuesday's lineup. Not back yet. Right, but yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe sometime this week. We'll see. He's just been he's an a, under, under. He's a drop player. otherwise. Probably I don't yeah. know. He's just he's not very good. That that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up because people are like, oh, he's a you know one of the top third base targets in this. I'm like, yeah, this is where the biasy conversation comes back into play. He is, but he's been so underwhelming this year. Like, okay, here's a fun one. Not even really well, that we know of injury related. What are you doing with a guy like Anthony Rizzo, who is no power, not hitting for average? Like his month of June was horrific. I wrote about him on a fantasy pros piece. It's it's been brutal for Rizzo. You obviously watch it probably every day. Um, He's not really helping a fantasy team anywhere. So, say you got a guy like Anthony Rizzo, that's where the similar to like Brian Hayes conversation used to be. It's kind of lock and load. Don't think about it. But Rizzo's not helping. He's hurting you. So, how are you, how are you doing that? I, I feel like his neck has to be hurt because everyone keeps bringing up the collision with Tatis back in May, I think it was, or something. And uh, yeah, he hasn't hit a homer since week eight. So, I'm not, that's probably like May, honestly. Yeah. I would prefer Rizzo over Hayes just because of the type of player that Rizzo has shown he is. Um, that's assuming he's actually healthy. I mean, I don't see the Yankees giving up and shutting him down or anything like that, but um, he, I feel like Rizzo's in the, in the rowdy boat where uh, it's, it was getting really bad and you didn't want to cut him, but 
it probably made sense to. Um, yeah. In a 15, I would definitely hold on to Rizzo, but if you're maybe in an OC or definitely like a Yahoo 12-teamer where it's a lot more shallow, I had already dropped Rowdy in one of those, so I could see someone dropping Rizzo um, and not think twice about it. Yep, these are the players we have to start dropping, folks. Like, go take the uh, the the new hot toy. Go get Mike Ford while he's swinging it. Well, you'll re- you'll enjoy it for a couple. I know I never thought I'd say those words in my life. Former Yankee just, great Mike Ford. Yep, yep. Former Yankee great. Yeah, play him for a few weeks until he fizzles out, and then move on to the next guy. Play the streaming game for now, especially in those shallower like Yahoo formats. Like I, I tweet it out by every couple weeks when I do my Yahoo uh, article, and I'm like. My God, the roster rates on Yahoo. It's just, it's unbelievable in some of these leagues. Like, I feel bad writing up certain players because, like, most of us are so NFBC minded. There's no chance they're ever available in our leagues. And they're like 40% rostered in Yahoo and stuff. I know they're, because that takes into account 10, 10 team leagues and all. I, I get it, but it just makes me go, wow, that's, uh, that's, that's wild stuff over there. Um, Anthony Rendon went on the IL retroactive to the 11th. So he's eligible to come off of the 21st with a shin contusion. Dude's always hurt. Um, hasn't really produced anyways to begin with, like kind of like <laughs> go to Brian Hayes' argument with less speed potentially if we want to. So I haven't been too aggressive on a guy like Anthony Rendon. I haven't really needed third base help, knock on wood, so it hasn't forced my hand. But what are you? What are you? What are your thoughts on a guy like Anthony Rendon? He's also projected to come back this Friday, according to NFBC. But he's a, I, I'm, I'm out on him. I, I haven't been interested, interested in drafting him in a long time, and I. In a shallow league, definitely do not keep Rendon. I don't think he's got much left. His best year was 2019, got that huge contract with the juice ball, and now he is just not very good, and he can't stay healthy either. So um, I I would cut him um, and not be worried about doing so. Yep, yep, 100% with you on that one. Okay, here's the moment of silence for us and our teams, and this had to happen. I couldn't do it out the gate. We had to at least have a little, little fun to start the show. But – I was kind of out of pocket most of the weekend and I was kind of, I was driving back from somewhere on Sunday and I opened Twitter up and I see Ben's tweet pretty early on and, and something about Rowdy Telez breaking his finger. And I'm like, is this April fools? Like what, what are we doing here? Um, he was supposed to come back Tuesday today. He was supposed to, like supposed to come back today originally. Um, and then he was shagging balls on Saturday and broke his ring finger and you you put a good like gif or picture out there. I'm thinking, did he Kevin Mitchell this thing? Like, what are we doing with this scenario? So we'll get to add drops later. But I did drop him at least in one league this past week because they're saying at, at least that I hear at least that's never good three to four weeks because they got to let it heal and all that good stuff. What are you doing with our boy Rowdy Telez? Yeah, it's definitely been a sad couple of days with this news. Um, yeah, I, I dropped him as we'll get to um, eventually as well, and. Uh, and if you have an IL spot, I would just hold on to him because he showed us last year what he can do when he's clicking. But it's just been a lost year for Rowdy. I mean, which is weird because his April was so good. I think he had like eight homers and was hitting around 250 and had decent runs and RBIs. And it looked like his, he was going to be a great pick at where he was going. And then I wonder if the forearm happened, the injury happened in May or at least June. And that's why he uh, struggled so much after that hot April. And, um, yeah, in that tweet I said it was it was the fly ball an asteroid? I don't get how you break your finger bed yeah. nail like your nail bed on a fly ball. Um, yeah, it was just that was just like the icing on the cake for an awful year. And uh, yeah, I hate to say it, but yeah, you can you can cut him because yeah. three to four weeks is a, a long time, and he wasn't doing anything before that either. That's the biggest thing. He wasn't doing anything to begin with. Three to four weeks is a long time. 
I know I'll be buying back into him next year because the underlying stats still looked freaking good, and I can't figure out why he's not doing what he's doing. I'll be a sucker once again. Hopefully his ADP drops. But uh, it was a bummer year, and this is why I love doing it on the show. I'll take my L's all day long. Give them to me. So uh, Rowdy was one of them. That was a big one. Um, hopefully the rest of the Brewers, because they're, they're heating up. So hopefully the rest of the Brewers start hitting some more and, and go. But, yeah, Rowdy, you can drop them, move on. It does make Owen Miller viable probably for the rest of the season, like weirdly enough, because he's going to play a lot of first base, a lot of first base with, wild. With, with the Brian Anderson injury and everything. It's like out of all the people, he hasn't like been the a world beater for fantasy, but Owen Miller has been serviceable, especially in deeper formats. It's it's pretty crazy to, to think about. Royce Lewis, this man, it's like, is there something in the water in Minnesota? Buxton, now Lewis, these young stud prospects, like they show us so much promise. And then they just can't stay healthy. It's the weirdest things with Royce Lewis. Now he gets a, a grade two oblique strain. Obviously not good. Um, they were hoping for mid-August. Hoping for mid-August. Oblique strains, you can't really put a fine timetable on that. They'll probably have more information soon uh, on, on how he's recovering. But, man, Royce, are you are you ho- holding him hoping for like a month, month and a half out of him? Or are you just like, you know what? It ain't going to happen. I think they definitely want to see if he can – play i mean he got off to a great start this year i mean it's only 95 at bats but even uh last year in 40 at bats he showed some great potential why he was like the big the big prospect for so many years but kind of with what i was saying about bieber if he's your only injury um which is unlikely then i would hold on to him if i can without an il spot but since it's gonna be so long um the projected return i I would drop him otherwise but which it stinks because he has third base and shortstop eligibility on FPC. I'm sure he does on Yahoo. Probably has second base too for some reason because that's how it is on Yahoo. And um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because he has so much talent, but he just can't stay healthy. Yep, it's a shame. So yeah, if you can hold him, great. Like you said, it's going to be pretty difficult to probably hold people right about now. So uh, he's he's one that's going to have to go. And it's if you see some good news in a week or two, go pick him back up and see what you got to do. But he's going to be a tough one to to hang on to for now. Kyle Wright. People were very optimistic about him coming back, and uh, that kind of got pushed back a little bit as he's supposed to throw off a, a mound potentially this week. He's getting, or As of July 14th, he's close to being cleared to throw off a mound. Uh, he's been sidelined for two months with the right uh, right shoulder strain. There's no timetable still for his return. So it's one of those, like, they probably hope to have him back for some playoff help. I don't. They're not going to rush this. So Kyle writes a, a no for me. What about you? Me too. He was someone I was stashing – and I wasted money, that money on doing so in a roster spot. And he's one of those guys who ha- kept having the date pushed out. Um, so, yeah, I, I would cut him. I already yeah, have. He, he's the perfect example of things looked good and then the pushback, the pushback. And now it's time to see you later type situation. Uh, Garrett Whitlock, this is a, a fun one. <laughs> I always say fun being sarcastic. Um, hasn't started throwing as of July 14th. Um, he had bone bruises. He, we've seen we've seen a lot of weird stuff going on with him all throughout the year. He keeps avoiding the big injury when you think he's going to have it. Uh, they're still estimating him to return at the beginning of August, which would be great. But it's like he comes back, looks good for a couple starts, and then another injury here and there. So it's tough to see exactly what they're going to do. Like Nick Pavetta is playing out of his mind right now. Um, Tanner Houck might actually return before Whitlock. We'll talk about Houck in a little bit. Uh, so what are you doing with a guy like Garrett Whitlock? Because I cannot get a feel on even what to expect from him. His note isn't too optimistic. He, he hasn't thrown started throwing either as of the 14th, I think. So, yeah, I, he wasn't even that good to overall this season when he was healthy. So he's he'd be closer to being a cut than a stash for me. Okay, yeah, kind of with you on that one as well. A couple 
Cincinnati Reds. Now, this is where it gets fun because it's a team that is one of the best teams to watch in baseball. Right now. If, you just like, if you just like baseball, it's absolutely amazing to watch these guys. Uh, they actually call up their young players, and they need pitching badly. And they had it earlier in the season, not so much now. Nick Lodolo, for one, he the walking boot came off a couple of days ago, which is great. And that means he's going to start being able to ramp up throwing, which is awesome. Because the one thing I loved about Nick, Nick Lodolo, it had nothing to do with his arm. Nothing to do with his arm, which like unlike every other pitcher we've talked about, it was elbow, shoulder, something. This was just a dude that couldn't put pressure on his leg, which is scary. Mike Soroka can call you on that one. Not good. But um, Lodolo is supposed to start ramping up now. It'll still take some time and basically spring training in, in essence. So they're thinking mid-August. With a talent like Lodolo, though, if you could get, say, six weeks, maybe gives you five or six starts because they'll slow play him. That could still be interesting. It is Great American Small Park, though. So, how do you look at Nick Lodolo? He's someone I would not um, really try to stash. I mean, you, like you mentioned, the talent's there. He's getting a ton of strikeouts this year. He seemed like he was trying to break out like people were hoping he would. Um, not only, like, he, I was looking at his stats, he, he gave up so many hits, too. So, I, f- I feel like it's location. It was more than just like the Cincinnati. The ballpark issue is—I feel this is like a pitching lo- a pitching issue as well. Um, and he's another one of those guys that has the mid-August return date. And if he gets a setback just for like an extra start, that's an extra week. Then it's almost September. So I know the the t- like the talent's definitely there and the upside is there. But he, for me, I think I had a chance to add him at some point, at least in the main event, and I didn't because of that because the return date was so far out and it's still kind of far out for me. So I, personally, I would try to stash someone else if I was looking for a stash, but I get if like if you wanted to stash him because of his upside, I get it, but the it's too far out for me. So you'd rather nasty Nestor than Lodolo? As crazy as it sounds, you're probably right, Bubba. Um <laughs> sure. no, I just want to make sure because I'm not disagreeing with you. The biggest thing for yeah. me is that ballpark. It's just it's a mess. And that's why I'm gonna be I'm gonna sound like a hypocrite coming up here. Because Hunter Green, his teammate Again, not an arm issue, thank God. A hip issue, a really weird one, because at first I was like, oh, he's just going to miss a start, no big deal. And next thing you know, he's on the IL for like a month and a half. That made no sense. Uh, he's down there in their Arizona facility throwing. Um, he has to do one more step, I guess, in his rehab, and then he's going to be pretty much good to go. Everything is progressing as they planned for Cincinnati, which still hasn't targeted back around August 4th, which really a couple weeks away. Um, Green is the epitome of Great American Small Park screwing over a guy. If you just look at his home road splits, like he's dominated outside of Great American, and it's like your luck, it's a coin toss at best at home. So would you be willing to stash Hunter Green if available? I would definitely prefer him to Lodolo just because of that, like you mentioned, the, the earlier estimated return date. I think Lodolo is probably a better pitcher potentially um, than Green. I mean, it's really close. They were basically going neck and neck in ADP. Uh, and, yeah, to your point, at least it's not his arm or shoulder that was injured, but um, I could see why you would stash him. As long as he makes that rehab start on time, then I could see stashing him for the next week and a half, roughly. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great, 
talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow, and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Yeah, he, he's a little more appealing. I will definitely agree with that. Well, we, we talked about non-throwing issues. Well, let's talk about a shoulder again. Jose Urquidy, he uh, completed his first rehab assignment over the weekend, 32 pitches, 22 of them were strikes, went two innings, uh, two runs, none earned, a walk, and two Ks. You That's kind of what you want to see out of a guy in his first uh, rehab start. He's scheduled to have another rehab start on Wednesday. Uh, so that's another plus for Jose Arquiti. Um, I guess if all goes well, maybe one more after that. So this is one of those about 10 to 14 days, maybe, maybe less. Maybe they say, you know what? He went four innings. We'll bring him back, let him throw five or six with the Astros. We'll see. So you might even get him back next week. So what are your thoughts on Jose Arquiti, who wasn't having as dominant a season as we had the previous year? No, it's definitely been his worst season statistically um, in his career so far. But uh, the the close or like the the proximity to his return is what makes him appealing, I think. But I remember just going into the season, he um, he definitely seemed to outperform his uh, expected stats last season. So to see him regress to like the five ERA isn't too surprising. Um, but with the way pitching is, he's not going to go back to the Astros. So he'll probably get some wins. I he's someone he's he's someone, I definitely um, prioritize stashing him over some of the other guys we talked about, definitely. But um with the risk of not the best ratios because his walk rate was really bad this year. I think it was like 10 walks and 20 something innings. So that's not too good, but um, yeah, if you need pitching help, he's someone I would definitely stash right now. Yeah, no, I, I'm kind of with you on that one. It's I'm not in love with Arkady, but there's, we've seen the promise is the best way I'll put it. And hopefully you can find it for a stretch on a very good team. Very, very good team in the Astros. Uh, Juan Moncada. I think we've done this dance many times with Juan Moncada. He's due back any day, any day now with his, once again, back injury. I've just given up hope on Yohan Moncada. I could be just naive. Some of those guys I just – I'll be okay being wrong on, and Moncada's one of them now. So what's your thoughts on Yohan Moncada? This one kind of stinks because he started out the season so so hot. He, like, he yes, was he hitting did. 300 in April. I had him in, in one of my main events, and I had to cut him because of the first back injury. But, yeah, I would not be interested in stashing him. I mean, if he's available – and uh, no one adds him, and he starts hitting, then definitely scoop him back up, see if he gets hot. But Berger's been holding down third base pretty well for them, and 
Um, yeah, he just hasn't been good the last two years. Like sub 400 slugging, sub 300, sub 300 on, on base, an average under 250 both years. He's just he's kind of been a bust uh, since he um, was that Red Sox prospect. So, yeah, I wouldn't be too interested in adding him right now. With you on that, if you need some outfield help, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, not a much batting average. Ramon Laureano, he'll be coming back to you shortly. He's took the BP over the weekend, so we'll start rehabbing. They're hoping to have him back either this weekend or beginning of next week. If all goes well for Oakland, he'll slot right back into the middle of the order, most likely, where he was before. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to be the guy he was a few years ago when we had high 2020 type hopes for Laureano, but there is something there, and the A's are bringing up prospects that can hit, so maybe there's a little more offense coming. Who knows? Nick Pavetta would say no, but um, we'll see there. So what's your thoughts on Ramon Laureano and his return? So right now, NFBC has him back for next Tuesday, the 25th, which is just in time to trade him if it all goes well. That's true. He's someone that I, every year, because I'm a big projections guy when, when it comes to draft time. and He stands I, out. He always is a appealing target and like pick 250 with that 2015 potential. And he keeps, keeps letting me down in my draft champion leagues the last two years. Um, I'm definitely not going to draft him next year, but, uh, yeah, he's just keeps underperforming. And if he stays on the A's, then I don't, he wasn't even hitting like top three for a while. I think I remember he was hitting like fifth or sixth way too often for how good he's supposed supposedly be or supposedly is. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you, he has the upside, but I would not prioritize adding him back. I don't, I just don't think he's that good anymore. Yeah. He's not one of my top targets. There's a, it seems like there's enough, like, streaming outfielders out there like would you rather have matt veerling or ramon laureano like that's actually a real question <laughs> i actually have matt veerling on a yeah. team <laughs> that's my point like would you have a cory jolks than laureano like chas mccormick depending on your format these guys are available over right. ramon laureano so um these are names you probably never would have thought of on draft day but are probably much more relevant than ramon laureano at this point in time yeah i with those three guys a veerling is kind of getting out of that um lefty platoon that he was kind of in, I think, for a while. He's starting to play every day, even though he's lower in the lineup against righties, but he's still producing. Um, and like with the Astros, between Myers, Jolks, McCormick, um, Dubon, like it's like an outfield merry-go-round with all those guys. And it seems like Jolks is the hot hand for now, but I mean, for how long? And then with Jordan coming back. So it's not the best, but I would probably put Loreano at the bottom of those, of the list of four names. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there, 100%. And then the, the Astros thing is frustrating because they all seem to produce when they're playing. It's just when are they going to play is the million-dollar question. A couple more here. Tanner Houck, nasty comebacker to the face, had surgery, plates put into his face. Like, he's the robotic man now. He's already throwing off flat ground, supposed to throw off a mound uh, in about a week. And they're expecting him back in early early August, right back into the rotation. Like, they're saying everything's good to go. Like, he's he feels fine throwing off a of flat ground and everything. I guess it's more a matter of – for me, it'd be between the years, going on the mound and being like, okay, like I'm confident that I can pitch and not get drilled in the face again. That's got to be terrifying. So Hauk was pitching really well, really well before he went down. I guess well, I shouldn't say really well before he went down. So would he be a guy you'd be looking to stash out of all these starting pitchers we've been talking about? He definitely has one of the earlier estimated return dates for August 1st. Um, at least he, doesn't, he didn't hurt his arm or anything, so that's a positive. But, yeah, I was going to say, and you already said about the between the ears um, – is he going to be uh, skittish on the mound? Um, maybe he doesn't like want to go inside or, well, probably in his case, throw on the outside corner of the plate to a righties or anyone in general. 
hopefully not having a comebacker back at him again. But um, yeah, if you if you can afford that one spot, he was he did have some good games. I was just checking his game log before he got hurt. He was he had a couple clunkers, but nothing too terrible. So I could see um, well he'll definitely go back into the bullpen like we kind of I mean into the rotation like we alluded to because the Red Sox have like three actual starters right now. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean maybe don't start him right away to see if how he looks in his first start when he comes back, but. He's probably a higher priority pitcher at, I would say, or pitcher stash in this case. Hundred percent, like out of all, all the guys we talked about, he'd be near the top of the dudes to try to to target there. You now, sales pretty darn good. I'm not going to say that, but uh, Hauk, one of the quickest to return out of the bunch. Like he's probably right after Rikidi, and I'd rather have Hauk than Rikidi personally. So we'll kind of see how all that plays out. Anybody else you'd like to discuss? I'm not even going to bring up the man I, I wrote down there because I realize that's just a waste of time. But uh, Anybody else? Because there's a ton. Like, I'll ask you this question. I, was, I didn't put him on here. I originally had him on our keep cut list. Um, it's, it's a battle I had all last weekend, and I told myself I'm going to wait for more information. Tyro Estrada, um, this is a nasty one, and everyone knows my love for Tyro on this show. Um, he's been amazing for my teams. So it's part of it's the biasy. Part of it's if he's back in the three to four weeks, okay, can I hang on to him that long? I'm already like a week and a half in now. But uh, at the same time, as like swelling goes down, st- they still haven't ruled out a surgery yet. That's the part I'm waiting on. Like I need that final info, and they haven't gone there yet. So I ask you, Ben, if you're a Thyro Estrado owner, are you keeping or cutting? He's still 78% rostered in OCs. I happen to be a Tyro Estrada owner, and I still have him. So do um, I, he's I, on I, my yeah. he's on that main event I was mentioning earlier that had Harvey and Romano and Gossman on it. So. Um, He's just been too good when he's been in the lineup. And going off of the uh, projected return date on NFBC, it's the 5th of August. So it's probably like two weeks now. But I think that's probably going off of the optimistic four of the four to six. Um, I mean, if we get information that he's going to need surgery, like you said, then he's definitely a drop, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I have him in a couple other spots too. And uh, he was kind of like in that fallback range with India where if you waited – to get a second baseman. Um, I felt like it was a great pick there. And he's definitely, he was on pace for like 2040 almost yeah. if he stayed healthy and with a good average. I mean, I know he had been something lately, but uh, his average dropped to from like over 300 to 272. But um, I think that was, that was bound to happen. He couldn't, no, he wasn't going to hit 300 all year, no. but uh, he's been everything he asked for and it's definitely stinks, but I'm going to keep him for now. Um, like I kind of alluded to, I have my injuries are mounting in that team, but um, he's so, he's high on the list for me to have someone to keep. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. It's basically until I am forced because of some other ungodly injury to some other player, um, Tyro's going to stick on my rosters for now. And I'm going to do everything in my power to keep him on my team because even like a month of Tyro, that could get you eight more stolen bases potentially. Like he's going to run because – the, the hand thing might affect whatever little power he did have, but he could still hit for average, potentially get on base and score a ton of or, and then steal bases. So it, it, to me, it's worth, you're not going to find a replacement like that on the waiver wire very often. So I'm going to hang on as long as possible until more news potentially comes out. That's all, all I'm waiting for for now. All right, let's recap some fab names here. Then we'll recap our ad and drops of the week. The reason I, ho- I hope this was helpful to the listeners because it's just more of like a therapy session. Is kind of working the process through your head on who to who to add, who to drop. Because uh, you see it all over Twitter and other shows. Like, hey, this guy's worth the stash. This guy's coming back soon. So on and so forth. Well, is it worth it? That's the kind of at least from our opinions. We gave you our thoughts on the scenario. So hopefully that was helpful. A little exercise for you. 
but we'll do a NPC 12 team OC ad drops as usual here added in a hundred. Oh, this is what's great. If you guys follow McCabe on, on, um, on Twitter, he puts out all these stats from waiver wires for main event and OCs. And um, he mentioned how like the amount of people just not bidding right now is dropping fast, real fast, especially in OCs. And this is a great example. Zach Geloff, one of the top uh, prospects for the A's got called up and he was only added in a hundred leagues. There's more than a hundred OCs folks. Just throwing that out there to you. And this is the only player in OCs added in triple digit leagues this week. So this is where we are. Uh, he went as high as 133, as low as a dollar. Um, people spending 133, it's because you have money and you want to guarantee your guy right about now. This is the only thing I can think of. Since the call-up, he's hit safely in three or four games, two doubles, got two stolen bases. Uh, the production of the minor struck out a lot, but power and a ton of speed. I Out of the Soderstrom-Geloff combo, uh, I was team Geloff this week if I need one of the two. What were your, I'll just package them together. What were your thoughts on uh, Geloff and Soderstrom? Uh, Soderstrom's the other Oakland A's for the listeners out there that got called up. He's a first-base catcher. He's first-base eligible on NPC. Geloff's second-base eligible. He'll be second, third, most likely at some point. So what was your thoughts on those two? I I kind of missed the Geloff train. I um, I, I forget when, he, when they got announced he got, he was going to get called up. Um, it was with Soderstrom. So I, I, I didn't know it was, it was happening, but I didn't put any bids in and um, – it's kind of that's on me. I, I had a busy weekend, but um, it's no excuse. Uh, I can't neglect your fantasy teams, but uh, yeah, he had 69 games, 20 steals, over 300 average this year in AAA. It is the PCL, so it's a hitter friendly environment. Um, he had 12 homers, so good power speed. Um, I ha- I, ha- I don't know where he- no he's batting leadoff or second at least, so he's definitely going to get plate appearances at least the last three games. Second, first, and second. That's where he's batted. So yeah, he's a definitely a good add if you need some uh, speed. And then with Soderstrom, he actually was my rowdy replacement in um, my main event. Um, just hoping for uh, one of those like late season guys that get hot and don't kill your average. Hopefully, but I know he has a strikeout um, problem, Soderstrom. But uh, needed to replace Rowdy's empty stats anyway. So um, yeah, I think Geloff is probably the better add. Um, of the two, but I mean, it really comes down to what you need. Yeah, Geloff was, we'll get to our ad drops. He was a target in all of my leagues for the most part because mm-hmm. I need a ton of middle infield help right now where I didn't need a ton of corner infield help. And that's just where I was. So it wasn't, I, I, not that I didn't like Soderstrom, but right now it's about getting real picky on your team needs, not just stashing certain plug. You can stash the injured guys like we talked about, but just loading up and all of a sudden you have like five outfielders on your bench and nowhere else, that's going to kill you. So adding the Soderstrom was doing me like no good in most formats. So he just, uh, didn't come on down, basically. See, I kind of have the same issue. I feel like I'm, my middle infield is stronger in general on my teams than a corner. But yeah, I maybe this is my perceived um, yeah. perception right now. That was the one thing I did. I it, during the break, I took, I tried to just kind of take my mind away from things for a few days. But I had like a couple hours one afternoon, and I I sat down on my three OC teams, just my OCs, not my other teams, just my three OCs, and I looked at the standings where I could potentially improve. And then I looked at my team and the biggest holes I had, I started just making like, these are the guys, the tough cuts are coming and these are the guys I have to go. Like Tim Anderson was on a lot of lists. Just going to put it that way. Like he's <laughs> about to, it's about go time for you, Timmy boy. Um, next up added in 70 leagues, a role is Chapman as high as two Oh three, as low as a dollar. He got traded to Texas recently, as most know, picked up the win on Monday, picked up the save on Saturday. And if you look at Chapman's numbers, he has not given up an earned run since June 17th. Prior to that, May 30th. He's been really good. The strikeouts are back. He has not walked a batter since June 20th. 
Like he's looking like Chapman of old that could obviously derail at any moment. I'm not going to say it's not, but he has been a guy that I've been slowly kind of, I don't, he hasn't been like a priority each week for me, but in certain leagues where there isn't a starting pitcher I like or something, he's been on the waterfalls for sure. Um, what's your thoughts on the world as Chapman? Cause the fact that he had a chance at a save and Will Smith was available was very telling to me over the weekend. It's kind of wild that he's, well, I say it from my perspective as a Yankee fan that he's actually good again. Um, Cause he was just so bad for those last couple of years. And I was happy when he was gone because I thought he, he wasn't able to throw a strike ever again, but um, still walking a decent amount of batters. I mean, I'm, when you said he hasn't walked a guy since June, whatever, I, I was kind of shocked to hear that. I didn't realize it's, that's the case. Um, I think I mentioned it before on, on your podcast, but uh, I follow this website, Twitter account, whatever you want to call it. Um, Closer monkey. And when he got traded from the Royals to the Rangers, they immediately switched it into a committee. And I was kind of like, really? I mean, he wasn't closing for the Royals and Will Smith had been so good, but they were right. Cause I feel like it's a 50, 50 split, which is weird. Cause they're both lefties. Yeah. So, it's but, really um, weird. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't, I doubt either one has a reverse split that would make, make it make sense. But um, yeah, he's everything on his fan graphs right now looks, looks great. And it supports how well he's throwing. Um, it's that his walk rate's actually down from the last two seasons, which is kind of funny since his Kate or his walk per nine is 5.09 this year. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was, was 6.9 for the Yankees last year. That was awesome. Uh, I, I saw way too many fastballs hit the backstop with him pitching. <laughs> he but, was um, the, he was the definition of Rick Wild thing Vaughn. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, and I mean his K's are back up because they created last year because he was striking out 10.65 for nine last year. He's back up to 16, which is his highest since 2020. But uh, yeah, so if if you need saves. Um, where I do, he's not available. But yeah, I mean, if you're okay with like a part time for your RP three, if you if you're in a twelve teamer, then definitely go get him. Yep, hundred percent. I think he's going to be a guy that ratios right now. He's actually helping you in. Uh, he's going to get you strikeouts and he's sneaking in wins and saves. So if you need one of those guys, as we talk about, some of these two step guys are nasty. So uh, it, it is in play. Matt Manning picked up in seventy leagues as high as twenty eight dollars, as low as one dollar at a two step this week. He's come back from the IL on June 27th, and it's been a good run so far for Manning. He had some decent rehab starts also, but he's got at least five innings in all four starts. Two earned runs or less in three of the four starts. The strikeouts could be better, I'll say that much. Um, you know, two starts, he had zero walks. The other starts, he had walk issues. It's an up-and-down peripheral. Like, you look at the the, X, <laughs> the ERA indicators, not great. It's just depends on what you want to look at with Manning, but it was a great matchup versus the Royals. He pitched well. Didn't get a ton of strikeouts, pitched well. Um, and he seemed like a, a two-step option. That's why he's very popular this week. What do you think about Matt Manning? So I have his fan grass open. He has a 5.97 K per nine, which is not very good. That's contributing to his high um, estimators. His FIPS 4.7 almost, XFIPS 5.48. I would say the XFIPS higher because he has a 36.6 ground ball rate. So a lot of fly balls um, projecting for a lot of home runs. So that's over two runs higher than his actual ERA of 3.12. So um I feel like so. I mean, after that no hitter, I think people just saw that on the surface and like, oh wow, he's a former prospect, uh, had a no hitter going. Um, but yeah, I would not be too. I would not get my hopes up too high if I added him for good ratios going forward. Yeah, no, and we'll get to my ad drops. He was not a target of mine, a main target. I did get him in a few leagues, primarily where I need uh, accumulating stats. We'll see how that works because he didn't really accumulate many stats. He will be dropped after this week, 100% dropped <laughs> after this week. I'm just to I'm towing the tightrope right now is, is the way this was going. You got to do it sometimes. You have to. It was Trust me, it was not warm and fuzzy because there wasn't a lot of options this week. But this man was Nick 
Pavetta. Picked up in 69 leagues, as high as 41, as low as a dollar. Uh, before last night, we'll get to that in a minute, he's been doing the piggyback roll since uh, June 28th. Last night was his fourth piggyback roll. Coming into last night, he had thrown a total of 12 in the third innings. But what I loved about it, it was 7Ks, 6Ks, 8Ks. He was getting dudes, stri- striking guys out, giving up a couple runs, not getting crushed. I could live with the, the ratios for the strikeout upside. Well, on Monday night, for those sleeping under a rock, Pavetta threw six no-hit innings with two walks and 13 strikeouts. It was ridiculous. He now has 34 Ks over his 18 in the third innings as a piggyback guy, 2-4-5 ERA, and a 1-8-6 XFIP as a piggyback. I don't know what it has been, but it's a mentality for certain guys. Like Ryan Yarborough did it that one year. All of a sudden, he could piggyback, pick up all the wins, looked great. It's only four appearances. We know Pavetta can blow up with the best of them. But my goodness, last this last four days, I won't even just say a lot of it, four days have been very good for Pavetta, and it could be interesting going forward. So what's your thoughts on Nick Pavetta? Do you know who he faced in those four games? Yes, I got him right here. It oh, was, oh, I have it up too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Miami at Toronto and then Oakland, Oakland. So, yeah, it's nice. it was cookie cutter. Yes, it was cookie cutter. The Toronto. Give Toronto a little credit. We'll go there. Okay, well, I'll give him credit for that one. No, <laughs> he was someone I, I definitely had in my claim list um, in the last couple of weeks as like a – starting pitcher replacement for those bulk innings. Um, but when, for the show, I, he's just always under, under, underperformed the expectations for him. He's never had an ERA under four in his career in any season. Um, he's kind of pitching like a starter now. So it's not like he's even to the point of like a, a one or two inning guy where he can go all out. Like if they want him to get these long outings each time, then he's kind of, he's just a starter still. So um, honestly, I, I don't know if he's a pitch, a pitch mix change or something that's kind of fueling it. I mean, his opponents, like we pointed out, are definitely fueling some of the success. Um, but I had his underlining stats here. Let me get them up. But yeah, so I think a lot of, well, definitely a lot of his year to date stats are baked into this as a starter. Um, but like his estimators are all above four. Um, I know, like you mentioned how good he's been the last four outings, but I want to see him do it against someone who's not the the Marlins or the A's before I um, am confident that he's actually going to be the pitcher we always thought he was going to be or hoped he was going to be. Very, very fair on that one. Um, we'll go through a couple more here because we're at the point of the year now where it's like this guy's at like 40, 30 to 40 leagues, just kind of like convenience pickups for the most part. But I'll do a couple more that are added over 60 leagues here. Kerry Carpenter was added at 64 leagues, as high as 36, as low as a dollar. Uh, Carpenter's been a fun one. Like, I've streamed them from time to time. Then I'll drop them and you stream them. Came out of the All-Star game, hit three three, home, three All-Star break, hit three home runs in the first two games. He's hit safely in all four games out of the break. We know there's power in that bat. He's hitting for average right now. Um, it is Detroit, so, you know, I guess caution. But uh, what's your thoughts on a guy like Kerry Carpenter? We, we kind of joked about Matt Veerling earlier. Carpenter, I guess, could be thrown out of discussion as well. They're hitting back-to-back in the Tigers lineup, fourth and fifth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Carpenter actually started last game against a, a lefty, which is um, that's, that's good to see because he was platooning, I think, for a while. Um, yeah, he's. Uh, I remember hearing about him as a popular ad. So if you need power, I could definitely see adding him. Um, he's a sleeper that going into the year two. But, uh, yeah, so if he, if he plays against lefties going forward, I could see him being a decent ad. For sure. Uh, Kyle Finnegan was added in 63 leagues, highest 32. That's pretty simple. He's going to be closing for the Nationals. There's not rocket science on that one. The last one I wanted to ask you about here, because he's a, a, the last guy that was 50 leagues or more. With Finnegan, real quick, I would. Yeah. he might only be at the closer for 13 more days. That's a great um, point. Yeah. So. Um, and in that regard, let's have a little fun with this for a second then. Um, I was looking at this the other day. 
actually Mike Curlin was looking at this. He mentioned it on the last show. He was already stashing this player, I'm pretty sure, is who I'm going to mention. So he's had his week to stash, and he mentioned it live on the show. So, hey, that's on you guys if you still sat around. But um, Mason Thompson is currently the main setup. I got the hold on Monday night when Finnegan got the save. Curlin was raving about Mason Thompson. I don't know if you've done any work on Mason Thompson, but if you once Curlin mentioned, I looked at him some more. There's a lot to like there with Mason Thompson. Uh, we'll get to him when we do our ads. Excellent. We will get there shortly. Okay. Uh, last one I want to mention then, because this is one that a couple weeks ago I somehow missed it when Christopher Sanchez came up with Philadelphia. Um, he came back up on the 24th, and uh, he's been in the rotation ever since. But um, he was added in 50 leagues this past week as high as $35, as low as a buck. He doesn't, like, light the world on fire for me, but it's five innings, three in runs or less. He's basically Matt Manning with maybe a little better skills, it looks like. That's kind of the way I'm going to look at it, like when you, when you just look at his you know stats and player page and whatever. So what's your thoughts on Christopher Sanchez? I was definitely interested in him when he first um, got moved into the rotation. I remember seeing after his first game, I think it was, or second game. Yeah, after those first couple starts, um, he looked pretty good. And – uh do you know? I'm not sure who he's replacing currently in the rotation, but um, that's, what I, that's what I was confused. At. That's why I missed it originally. Because I'm like, did someone go down in Philadelphia that I totally just blanked on? I I do stuff every single day. How did I miss this one? <laughs> so yeah, I'm um, looking at him. Wheeler, the Nola, Walker, Ranger Suarez. I don't see anybody unless someone got demoted. But Bailey Falter. Yes, Bailey Falter. That's what it was. But he's been going for a while, so I think that I th- well, they also had Strom in the rotation for a while too. So this probably just want a more stable fifth instead of because they were kind of like doing bullpenny type with Strom and company. That's probably yeah. what it was. Yeah. yeah. So he was. I was interested in him. Uh, not. I mean, he's been added in my leagues where I was looking at him, but uh, yeah, he was on my uh, ad list uh, definitely when he was available. He only has a looking at his stats now, a one point four eight uh, walk per nine, which is f- phenomenal. His um. XERA is 3.82, his FIPS 4.14, which is fine. I mean, it's an estimator. And XFIPS 3.37, which is phenomenal. So um, I think a lot of that's driven by his ground ball rate, which is 54%. And uh, BABIP's a little low, 247. So expect that to regress up a little bit. His left, his left on base is 78.3, which is perfectly normal. So that's fine. Um, so maybe like a mid-threes ERA going forward, assuming he's six. I, uh, yeah, I like Sanchez a lot. All righty. Let's talk about our uh, our fab pickups for the week. Uh, what you got? Uh, as you, you you've hinted at a few guys, I can't wait to hear the explanation now. All right, uh, yeah. Well, he's uh, near the top of the list. So first, um, we have my main event. Uh, one of my main events, fifteen team league. I so this is uh, I alluded to this on the last time I was on, and uh, so this might be a little talking point. But I added Brandon Belak when I added him or I put my claims in. He was projected to face the A's. Now he's in Colorado, so. It, I, he's going to show up a few times on my teams, which is kind of unfortunate, but he, I mean, he might stick around when Kitty gets back, but I'm not sure. So I added Belak for $14 on up of one. I dropped Scott Barlow. Um, then I added Drew Smiley, $14. The first start wasn't great. Good strikeouts um, for $14 as well. Runner up of 13. So that was a good ad for now dropping Evan Phillips. So this is the main event where I finally punted saves. Um, then I also added Jared Triolo, $2, dropping Brian Anderson, no backup. Added, added Joey Wendell, dropped uh, Ronald Blanco, $2, no backup. And then I added Hector Neris, dropping Kyle Wright on that league, $1, no backup. So that team is in full save punt mode. Um, my other main event, 
Once again, added Belak, uh, $12 dropped right off of this main event as well, no backup. Um, this is where I added Tyler Soderstrom, dropping Rowdy, rest in peace, eight, uh, $8, no backup. And then this is where I added Mason Thompson. So I added Mason Thompson, dropped Mark Leiter Jr., $6, no, run, no runner-up. All these ads are no runner-up, so I could have spent $1, $4, and oh I got all these guys. It's kind of That's so annoying. frustrating, man. Yeah, I mean, luckily the bids <laughs> were low to begin with, but, I mean, at this point of the year, it's like bidding $50 probably. Um, yeah, so I added Mason Thompson. He was someone um, that earlier in the year when you're looking for – when, I mean, when it was real bad pitching wise, he was doing really well. He was getting like four or five Ks a week. Um, not he was just in a middle relief role. And uh, I, I've messaged Curlin on and off um, on Twitter throughout the season. And recently, he brought him back up to me because I was in on he was in my like res, uh, reliever claims early on, and I just never got him. I had other guys prioritized, but uh, yeah, I got him to replace Hunter Harvey on this main event, which uh, is which definitely hurt when I saw that he was injured so um hopefully like i mentioned with finnegan before hopefully he gets traded and then thompson steps in or harvey comes back for this team's sake uh, so um shout out to curlin for reminding me of mason but yeah he's a it's a good spec play um and then last ad for here was bryce terang dropping isaiah connor falefa streamed him for the rocky series and he did nothing uh two dollars drop no backup then we have the well, last two are quick uh my main event qualifier Belak again, I had him on three or four fab leagues in NFBC. Dropped Paul Blackburn, who uh, I feel like he's fizzling out. $16, no backup. Added Ryan Nelson, dropped Mike Talkman, $4, no backup. Finally, uh, TGFBI. Added Edward Julian, uh, $10, um, dropping Paul Blackburn with a $7 backup. So that was a good ad. I feel like hopefully he sticks if Polanco comes around, comes back. But like we alluded to, he might lose some playing time. So we'll see. He had a good, I think he had uh, seven righties this week. So it was a good uh, week to add him. And I like this ad too. Um, not to toot my own horn, but uh, I got Tyler O'Neill for eight dollars, dropping Rowdy again, uh, eight dollars, three dollar backup. So hopefully O'Neill starts and uh, actually yeah. he wasn't in today's lineup, unfortunately. I was looking for it because I'm with you. I, di- I didn't put him in my NFC lineups yet. I'm waiting till the weekend. I want to see him play a game or two. Rehab, he actually did good. You know, hitting, hitting for a little bit of power. That was good to see. Uh, I started specking on him a week or so ago, similar to the, like the Nesters and stuff. Um, I just, I guess, I was looking at my teams recently, like I said, and it's like. Okay, do I want to go gamble on this like young kid, or do I want to go take this guy that's proven? It's been a rough year, but proven. Get him cheap, and his ceiling's probably higher. That's where my head was at. So O'Neill was one of those guys for sure for me. Um, and you you dropped a bunch of guys that I've been dropping well, so this makes me feel a little better. And the runner up things, I'm I, I'm with you. And OCs, it's even worse. So um, what my first OC here, I got Zach Geloff, dropped Andy Abanya seven to two. So that made me feel good to get him for seven bucks. Um, somebody in this league and added Anthony Desclafani. For ninety-seven dollars with no runner-up <laughs> bid, I just died. And then someone added Dean Kramer for seventy. OCs, my friends, OCs. Like I, I literally want to know on the Disclafani one. Did they just accidentally hit a second number? Maybe this is the only thing I think of because I don't know where you ever thought that was necessary. Um, I added Reese Olson, dropped Paul Blackburn four zero. I think Reese Olson is the real deal when it comes to strikeouts and everything. Um, I'm curious to see what he's gonna gonna do coming up he's i i, I dropped him a while back because it looked like he was gonna be out of the rotation or going to the bullpen or something now he's back for now i'll say detroit's always a, a kind of a moving picture in this scenario but you know last time out five and a third two run five k's at seattle oakland he had five k's and nine k's against minnesota eight against kansas city uh, he's going like five innings if i can get that kind of production uh, I'll, I'll take it for now and then I added Matt Manning. This one hurt, but this is why OCs are what they are. And I'll look to add him back this weekend. I didn't need corner infield. He's been sitting on my bench. He's going to help somebody else out. But I dropped Tristan Costas. 
four to two. I love Costas Lies. I have nowhere to play. I'm not playing him at all. And that's, that's the point of the year where it's like, I need bodies I'm using. And that's kind of a thing we've been trying to mention a lot on this show is these are the tough cuts. I did not want to drop Costas, but it's like, okay, I need pitching depth. I need to accumulate stats. I need to, I'll take the two star guy for a week and drop Costas and see if I could hopefully get him back next week. We'll see. I have like 180 bucks in that league, which is high right now. So I could be a little aggressive on Costas if I really want him back. I still don't even know if I need him. That's the, that's the thing. Uh, and my next OC added Zach Galoff. Uh, Galoff dropped Andy Ibanez seven to one. Added Edward Julian drops Rowdy Telez six to four. Added Owen Miller. This one hurts because oh, no news until freaking Monday afternoon. Uh, added Owen Miller for four dollars. Runner up a two. Drop Heimer Condelario. I'll be going right back to adding Heimer Condelario next week. I love Jimer and you know, like there was no optimistic reports when I was looking all over the place. And yeah, then added Matt Manning. Dropped Aaron Savali four to one. Savali's good, but he doesn't. They're empty stats for the most part. So wasn't helping me at all. And then in my OC one, added Geloff, dropped the Banyas eight to four, added Julian, dropped Max Kepler eight to zero, added Miles Mikolas, dropped JP Sears four to nothing. Sears is good. It's just, it's, you look at the profile, that's a roller coaster ride with JP Sears. And then I added Nick Pavetta in this league, dropped Dean Kramer four to nothing. That panned out well. The week before in this league, I see here's my stash this league. The week before, added Tyler O'Neill, added Zach Neto, added Nestor Cortez. Those are my three ads the previous week. They were all on the IL when I added them. Neto is the only one that's returned. The uh, second league added O'Neill the week before. I just, I just wanted to see this real quick. I, I knew I'd added him a few times. Yeah, I got him in two of my three OCs so far. So definitely in on that one. All right, let's talk listener questions here. I actually didn't have any TGFBI ads. I wasn't ignoring it. The guys I was in on, I got outbid on all of them. And I was just like, well, there goes that concept. Because there's that 15-team league out of all of my 15s. It's picked apart pretty good. I'm actually impressed with the people in that league. Like, it's, it's surprising. Good. Surprising. Like, it's pretty bare. All right. Dave Petros yellow has got a couple questions for us. I just picked up Pavetta in two OCs this week. Congrats. I know you, who uh, I know who he pitched against last night, but I feel pretty good about it right now. And also, Toby has him on his second overall OC, so that makes me like it even more. What's a real, realistic expectation rest of the season? You kind of mentioned it. It's fair to say there's some underlying things that will make you feel warm and fuzzy. But uh, you never know. Maybe this role's good for him. We'll see. I'd yeah, I, uh, yeah. Just keep rolling him out there for now. Um, he's probably, he'll probably blow up eventually against, like, yep. I don't know, the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, All teams because the Yankees are just, they're just awful. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, so. When you least expect it, it's one of those teams. Never yeah. fails. Never fails. Um, his other question was, what's a realistic – or uh, John Gray. This is – this. I, I feel you here, Dave. Hasn't been good since the blister. I need him back to his May form. Is it going to happen? Maybe not that good, but what are we expecting? I agree. I can't figure it out because if they're rolling him out here, the blister should be fixed, but he's nowhere near the guy he was before that blister injury. So it's wondering, like, is it not fully healed so I can't put the same pressure on the finger? Like, something ain't right. And I haven't dug into all the, like, the, the movements of pitches and all the spins and everything. Maybe it's 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 in there somewhere, but he has been broken since that blister injury. Yeah, he's someone I don't have on any team, so I haven't been in tune with what's going on with him. But I, I quickly before um, the show, I um, looked up the uh, last or actually July stats for the pitch for all pitchers and uh, looking at like their underlying numbers. So Gray has a zero K minus walk percentage in July, so he has eleven point one percent K rate. 11.1% walk rate. So as you and Ryan allude to, that is not good. He, his swing strike rate 
in July is 5.5%, which is very bad. His FIP is 5.95, XFIP 4.99. So, yeah, I can see why Dave is concerned. Um, I mean, it could be healed, but he's maybe he's worried about reopening it or something. So he's maybe he's like gripping the ball differently. But if you look at the, on his, at his year numbers, he has a 7.18 K per nine, which is about two Ks below what he was the last two seasons. Um, I don't know if that's really just dropped over the last couple of weeks. I mean, I feel like it hasn't. It's probably been a year-long trend where his Ks are down. And uh, his year-to-date expected stats, besides what I just read with his XFIP and FIP, they're still above four. So I feel like he's getting lucky with that 3.45 ERA. Um, I mean, maybe in the right matchups, start him for now if he's getting bombed. But, yeah, I feel like there's something off with him still, considering how poorly he's pitched this month. Yeah, I'm thinking it's kind of what we were saying. Is there's something with the? It's, I don't know if it's fully healed because he's not using it. I think he's not using the finger the same way. That's that's my guess on this whole scenario. And a little book of calm has a question. Um, in a 12 teamer standard five by five, how would you rank these guys rest of season? Sonny Gray, who's been less than ideal. John Gray, just mentioned. Griffin Canning, good start last night. Still, the previous couple starts were not great. And then Bobby Miller, who's been interesting as well. Uh, would you consider any or all of them essentially just streamers? So how would you rank them? And then are any of them streamers? So going off of, I know, I know Curlin has gray, so I've heard about him all year. Uh, he, yeah, like year to date, his underlying numbers still look great. The thing with gray is, I mean, well, all these guys kind of have an issue. Um, gray and um, actually both grays is injury related. Um, Sonny never seems to pitch a full season, but I mean, at this pace, he's going strong still. I mean, he's kind of fizzling out, but I think I put him first. Then I have Bobby Miller second. I know he's had a couple of rough starts lately, but looking at his minor league career and what he's done this year in the majors, he's 50 innings still from his career high. So I don't think they're going to shut him down or send him down like we're seeing with Yuri Perez. Um, his underlying numbers are the second best of the of the four that Little Book of Con mentioned. So Gray, Bobby Miller, and then I'm kind of indifferent between Griffin, Canning, and John, uh, John Gray. We just touched on John Gray's issues. And, uh, yeah, Canning, like, he was someone I added earlier in the year, but he's kind of just, like, he has that potential, and then he kind of disappoints. It's been his thing for his career. So, I mean, I would consider Canning and Gray streamers if you have them. Um, Bobby Miller start most often. I mean, most starts if you have them. And I still think Gray has the potential to uh, rate the ship. But, yeah, that's how I'd rank him. Yeah, Sonny Gray is the best of the bunch, and I don't like, and he's very frustrating because it's like one inning every start that he just ruins the whole day. Um, so like I don't, I'm, I can't remember if I started him this week or not even on two step because I didn't like the matchups, but I've kept him. I think Canning and Bobby Miller and even John Gray to Canning's probably more of a streamer. He's probably fourth on the list. I'll go with John Gray and Bobby Miller. I use the term bench streamer. That's that's where I would like. I wouldn't want to drop them. But I'm not. I'm definitely not starting them every week. That that because especially with Bobby Miller, it's we've seen the good, but we've seen some young bad things too with him. So maybe you run him out there for a little bit longer. But uh, John Gray for sure, bench streamer. Because I'm just waiting for him to find it. I, I'm hopelessly optimistic, I guess. But um, maybe it's the biasy thing we talked about earlier all over again. But uh, yeah, Sunny Gray is the best out of the bunch. All right, that'll do it, my friend. Any final thoughts as we have another week of the season in the books? Yeah, so I just want to wrap up the whole injury thing that we were going over. So um, if you listen to other podcasts, talking to listeners, you probably hear um, Scott Pianowski mention and how he's always don't go after injuries. And 
I've been guilty of that this year. And uh, sounds like even Bubba with his ads the other week with uh, Tyro O'Neill, Nestor, and uh, Nito. But um, I just wanted to highlight some guys. I looked through uh, my preseason rankings and guys who kind of had injury um, concerns to start the year. I'm going to make this quick. But um, Tristan McKenzie, Kyle Wright, uh, Carlos Rodon, Seiya Suzuki, Polanco got injured in spring training. Tyler Molly had shoulder in- issues in spring training. Altuve, Jose Altuve got hurt in spring training. Raul Mondesi, Tyler Glass now is hurt. Um, and those are the guys who were hurt in spring training. And what have they all done this year? I know Altuve got hurt again, but you never know. That could have been a, a product of his pre- previous injury. Maybe he was favoring whatever he had hurt in the beginning. I forget what it was. I think it was lower body. Suzuki's back, but he's not performing well. He's been dropped in 12-teamers. I think even a 15, he's been dropped. Rodon, Rodon just got back, and like people were hoping for a May return. Nestor, um, he was healthy to start the year. Um, he kind of falls in with the Trevor Rogers camp, though. Like Rogers was someone that we were waiting for to come back, and he keeps getting pushed out. He hurt his lat somehow, and now he can't pitch because of it. Tyler O'Neill, I feel like he kept getting pushed out. Um, but the point of naming all those guys is that if they're hurt, don't think they're going to be the best pick. Because when I drafted Tristan McKenzie in the main event, it was the night after he left to start early and we didn't know what the injury was. I'm like, well, I'll take him like pick 260. I held him the entire year. I missed his best start of the year. Started him when he got bombed against the ND, uh, not the Guardians, not the Guardians. It was a good matchup. He got bombed and he hurt his elbow. So the injury optimism usually always wins. I mean, you always lose out for the most part if you're optimistic with an injury. The only hits I, that I thought of, um, there could be more, um, were Iglesias and Musgrove. Iglesias had the shoulder injury, and he's been fine since he um, came back. Musgrove, it was his toe, but he had a little rocky start, but he um, he uh, has been, been pretty, pretty good. good since then. Um, and then I know this is a big debate in Twitter, um, but the injury risks. The Grom, Jazz, Eloy, Sale, Fairbanks are the five that I highlighted. Um, they're always hurt. They're hurt again. <laughs> I, I know you, it's possible. Jordan, Judge. Yeah, Judge. I mean, how could I miss Judge? Yeah, I mean, last couple of years he seemed to have fixed it, but yeah, that toe injury was kind of definitely fluky. I mean, like with Degrom though, I I didn't I haven't I don't think I ever drafted Degrom in a no, fantasy league. Was never was never an option for me this year. Yeah, I was in, I was in on Eloy to start the. I think I drafted him in one of the Gladiators, and I took a. Then after doing some research, I'm like, okay, I don't want Eloy, and I don't have him on any other teams besides that. So the moral of the story is, just. Going into next year, at least if we have injuries in spring training or like even with Harper. So yep. everyone thought he was a great pick because you got him like at pick, what, 200, I think. And then he came back two months early, but he's not doing anything. He's sitting for a good average, but no power, no speed. Um, you're better off drafting J.D. Martinez with that pick because I think they're going the same range. They're both util only, at least in NFBC. So I have to I'm guilty of this, too, of being optimistic with these guys. Like I mentioned, McKenzie, I've added right on two main events. But next year, I'm going to try to be more uh, – just go for the guys who are healthy and, and someone else can get lucky, like with a Tatis or someone like um, someone like that. Or so. It pans out much less than it gets right or it gets really type thing. It's wrong before – much more than it's right type situation. Um, and I'm with you. Like, it's, it's, Pino's preached it forever. Like, why draft injuries when they're going to find you anyways more often than not? That's kind of the gist of it. So I know on draft, like as I'm drafting, I try to be more conscientious of that. I guess as the season goes on, I, I kind of forget to, to be conscientious of that. But um, definitely, when I'm going to the draft day, I'm I'm trying to avoid it because this six months is a long season. Everyone gets hurt. It feels like so. Like let's not let's not walk into it with an injury. That's that, that's a tough way to go about it. So 
100% with you on that. It's a, we learn something every year we play this game. It's a, it's always something that we can always improve on. And that's why we do these things called podcasts and everything else to, uh, to chat it out and, and work through it all. So been a fun conversation. I've been, I've been enjoying trying to dig into it and see what we can do as we decided if we wanted to even add injured guys for the rest of the season on this show. But um, it's, it, it comes down to what's available out there. And some of these injured guys might be worth better than what's out there. So like in, in the grand scheme of things, adding like a Nestor Cortez or some other starter might be better than rostering Matt Manning right now in the end. We'll see how that goes. And uh, that's the moral of the story. But Ben, it's a pleasure as always. Looking forward to having you on again, probably sometime soon when Curlin has to work again. But uh, always a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, thanks again, Bubba, for having me on. I always enjoy talking baseball with you, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Yes, indeed. Yes, we will. Make sure you all follow Ben on Twitter at BreakingBen underscore T. You will not regret it. Good, good guy. Heck of a fantasy player. I'm on Twitter at BDNTrick. Until next time, Bench with Bubba, episode 598 on the books. Catch you guys next time. to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry it's as easy as that if you have the skills you can turn ten dollars into 250 dollars with just a few taps easy gameplay quick withdrawals and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app ready to test your skills join the prize picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up right now prize picks will match your first deposit up to 100 just visit prizepicks.com get 100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.